The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. You're tuning in to Flawed and Fabulous. I'm Ash and I like to think we're all flawed, but we're also fucking fabulous. In the next two episodes, we have a very special guest. She is a lifelong friend of mine going back over 20 years and she is definitely the smartest girl in the room. One of my beautiful besties, Dr. Jasmine Davis. For the past six and a half years, Dr. Jasmine has been a general practitioner with a special interest in women's health. And that just happens to be what today's topic is all about. Prior to being a GP, Dr. Jazzy, as I call her, did her rounds in the hospitals, spent time specialising in OB and gyno, and not to mention all of the beautiful volunteer work she has done internationally while on holidays. Like, what a woman. These days, Dr. Jazzy spends most of her time supporting women and their babies. She has always been my go-to girl for all things that we usually overthink or avoid, and of course, saving me from convincing myself I'm dying because of the self-diagnosing I'm doing from the things I read on Google. Jazzy is based in Mackay, hence the phone interview, and in true flawed and fabulousness fashion, this recording was my first ever go of recording outside of the studio. And full disclaimer, it didn't go very well. I had had a wine, and yes, I fucked it up a little. I did, however, realise about eight minutes in that I had not pressed the button I was supposed to and the sound does get better. So please bear with us because it's a damn good episode. I like to keep the podcast aligned with my values of being open-minded and all topics are up for discussion. As I've mentioned before, I'm all about both traditional and holistic approaches to health and wellness. And this episode is like a follow-up or another perspective to a past episode, season four, episode eight, Lady Thangs. I highly recommend listening to that episode too if you haven't already. I appreciate both outlooks into women's health and in my opinion it's very much an each to their own topic and I'm just about opening up the conversation and of course asking the curious questions. Remember there is no such thing as a dumb question which makes me feel so much better. So whether you are listening for yourself or for your daughter, this episode is super interesting and has so much value in it. A big warm thank you to Dr. Jazzy for giving up her time and her knowledge. The world is a better place with you in it. Now let's get started with today's episode and welcome Dr. Jasmine Davis to the Flawed and Fabulous podcast. And before we get stuck into today's topic, you, we have done a, by the way, this is my first ever podcast recording at home alone so I'm very nervous and <laughs> I do have a wine a virtual podcast that we're doing so Jazzy is actually based in Mackay so there wasn't a way to get here in the studio so we have done a virtual um, angel card and um, I have sent it to Jazzy via text message but she hasn't read it yet so she's going to jump on and read out her card and then I'll read the message for her. Okay I have got us. Ask us to help you in this situation and we will immediately go to work on your behalf. We're governed by many universal laws and among them is the free will that allows you to make your own choices and decisions. So we patiently await your request. This card serves as a reminder to ask your angels for help more often. The angels can help with any and all areas of life, including bringing your ideas, courage, faith, confidence and clarity. 
They can also help you with material needs such as money, time, health and vitality. Additional meanings for this card. Ask for whatever you need. Instead of complaining, ask for help. Ask the people in your life to help you. Delegate. Hire others to assist you. Request help from your angels for everything, no matter how small or large. Yeah. What's your feeling, girlfriend? What's your feeling? Oh, look, it's it's always um, the working woman um, needing to ask for help, trying to do it all. I think we've both been in that category um, before. Um, and I did recently invest in getting my cleaner to come once a week instead of once a fortnight, and it's been the best. So I'd highly what recommend that is. <laughs> delegating something that you don't like doing, like scrubbing the toilet or cleaning the floors. Definitely ask and you shall receive, yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Part of the reason why I've got Jazz on the podcast today, apart from just being fucking fabulous in general, um, a few episodes back I had uh, a women's health coach come on board and part of who I am is like Jazz is not here to debate the situation. I'm very much not a black or white person. I'm a grey. I like to always hear both sides of the story and um, Jazz, I respect her opinion and her experience and education that I thought that it would be a great follow-up for some of the listeners that were did listen along and liked what they heard I know I liked what I heard but then also had a lot of more medical based questions or thoughts and we're just kind of here to clear that up and it's not it's not a debate we're just going to go over the same topics and get a different perspective or you might have agreed jazz to Mm -hmm. some of the things that were mentioned um, and just have a different take on that or a different perspective so we're just basically running through all the women's health topics especially at our age, things that we should be doing and um, any myth busters. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure yeah. I'll ask some random questions <laughs> along the way too. So getting into the first part, I think the, the big mind-blown experience that I've had recently is about cycles, periods, mm-hmm. um, and the different things that go along with that. And I guess I'm going to say being in the trenches, you would have had so much human contact and so much different experiences of a wide variety of women that are coming to you, all all young ladies, girls, um, Mm -hmm. that are getting their period for the first time or experiencing some issues or, you know, there are people like me that I have had a relatively healthy relationship with my period um, Mm -hmm. but am starting to question whether my lifestyle needs me to be on the pill and whatnot and Jazz has listened to the episode, so um, she could refer back to things and be in the know. But before we get started, Jazz, we're hitting cycles and periods 101 with Dr. Jazz. Let's start with what would be one of the most common things that you would be seeing in your GP practice um, of women or girls coming in in regards to cycles and periods? Um, well, look, it really um, depends on age. Um, so often yeah. when women first get their period or girls um, first get their period, periods can be really irregular. Um, they can start off light, they can start off heavy, and often young women are dragged in by their mums wondering, you know, is this normal? Um, and it usually takes about two to three years for a menstrual cycle to settle into a regular pattern. So often at that early stage, there's a lot of reassurance that what they're experiencing is normal. Um, And, you know, these days, on average, women are getting periods between 
um, or what we call menarche, the start of periods, between the age of around 11 to 13. Um, you know, it is still normal to be a little bit outside of that. But if a young woman hasn't gotten their period by the time they're 15 or 16, I would suggest taking them in to um, see a doctor. Um, any young girl who gets their period before the age of about nine also should have a bit of medical attention just to make sure that um, that's normal and there's not something else going on. Um, when we're coming up to like later teens and early 20s, um, we start to get people come in main, mainly with problems with painful periods. Um, so it's really not normal to have to take time off work time off study, time off school because periods are so painful. Um, you know, most women um, can get away with, you know, some simple pain relief, um, hot water bottle. Like Panadol. Know, or... Like Panadol, Nurofen, um, mm -hmm. slowing down a bit when they get their period. Um, but, you know, for other women, it's completely debilitating um, and, you know, having to spend days in bed, vomiting, um, needing stronger painkillers are all quite unusual um, and a lot of the times you find that other women in the family might have had really painful periods so people don't realise that it's actually not normal. So um, there are lots yeah. of things that we can do to help with that. Um, then when we come into getting ready to have babies we start to think a lot more about that's really when when people start worrying about you know is my cycle regular you know, am I ovulating? When, when am I ovulating? And that's when I find a lot of women get a bit more knowledge about their cycle, which didn't sound like you needed that when you had your babies. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's not necessarily something that we get taught at school. Um, mm -hmm. I can't remember learning it really until I was in medical school. So um, there's a lot of education around that time that that goes on. Um, later on, when we're coming towards perimenopause and menopause, we get a lot of problems with really heavy bleeding. Um, and, you know, then, of course, leading into period stopping and hot flushes. So all the fun things that we've got to look forward to. Um, mm -hmm. So there's really um, getting an idea of what's normal for you is the most important thing and, and seeking, you know, really a, a doctor as a first port of call as to, you know, is what I'm ex experiencing normal um, mm -hmm. and then we can go from there. Yeah. And so just say, for example, a 27-year-old female came in to see you and this is the first time that she's come in with um, actually acknowledging that, hey, th these pains these amount of bleeding or it is debilitating me um, and they come in and it's the first time they've addressed it and then they do say my mum and my sister, we all have the same sort of period pain um, and I just thought it was normal. Mm -hmm. um, as, a med as a medical professional, what would be the next steps that would – and I don't want someone to at home go, oh, this is mm. the next step, this is what I'm going to do. Like everyone needs their own independent consultation to figure out what's wrong with them. But if someone came into you and said that, what would be the flags that were happening that, oh, it could be this, it could be that, it could be mm -hmm. this, what's the process? Yeah, so really um, you're right. Like everyone needs – everyone's an individual and has their own clear – story and different set of symptoms so really I would need to sit down with the person and ask a huge amount of questions and just find out 
exactly how long and what's been going on and, and what's the biggest problem for them. Um, because for some people, they can have a heavy period and they can manage and it doesn't bother them so much. But for other people, they don't leave the house on their first few days of their period. Or for some people, they manage with a bit of pain relief, but other people, you know, end up in bed for days. So we really need to find out the severity of the symptoms, but more importantly, the impact on people's lives. Um, and before, sorry to interrupt, you said, yeah, and sorry. I'm going to use like air quotes, you said like that level of bleeding is like not normal, but in the opposite of that, how common is it for someone to come in and express that they are experiencing that? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of women go around for a long time without realising that what they're experiencing might not be normal because it's not always something that we talk about, you know, how heavy is your flow or, you know, um, how much pain <laughs> you're in. Um, yeah. And so it's, and it's often... Of, like it's n- not really like if someone kind of does say you're like, oh, you're a bit of a whinger. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, and because so, it, yeah. Exactly. So if you've never had... He- painful periods you might think what are you talking about that just period pain it will be over in a day or so but for people with you know some underlying medical conditions um, it can actually last a really long time and it can be really severe so you know the big medical condition that does go undiagnosed quite a lot is endometriosis um, mm. and unfortunately we don't have great tests for endometriosis um, mm-hmm. you know always we would do some blood tests and you know usually do an ultrasound to have a look at the structure inside um, depending on what the patient's symptoms are um, but really to diagnose something like endometriosis um, they would need to have a look inside the abdomen with a laparoscopy so a keyhole surgery and see is there any spots of endometriosis. Um, so it's actually like keyhole surgery it's not like an internal other end <laughs> no well look I mean <laughs> um no it's not it isn't but the they woo-woo. do when when they do the when when they do endometriosis surgery they do usually um have to have instruments inside the vagina but you're asleep so okay. um okay yes at that time so look if if painful periods are a big problem that can't be settled with with really easy things to implement, then most of the time people will end up seeing a gynecologist. Um, Mm -hmm. But the question of if and when to do a keyhole surgery is a pretty big question because it's, you know, it's a general anaesthetic. There's always things that can go wrong with a surgery. Um, So, you know, it's really something that you've got to weigh up all the risks and the benefits of um, because often what we in terms of treatment for painful periods, the treatment for endometriosis and the treatment for any painful period can be pretty similar. So um, actually getting the diagnosis is good to have, um, but it Mm -hmm. doesn't always change exactly what we do for the patient. Mm -hmm. And I now have been officially off the pill, which we we will get into a little bit later, but so, um, and News update, Eden has had his vasectomy too. Excellent. Very good to hear. (laughs) We are working towards this together. Um, but And we are practising safe sex with condoms until he's tested and in the clear. But So I actually have my period right now um, and it was my first period from going off the pill. Mm -hmm. I was back to being a crazy person last week. (laughs) Yeah, so PMS. 
Yes, I experienced and I was kind of always like, I don't get that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Eden's like, you do. <laughs> you definitely, <laughs> you yeah. definitely do. And I was very irritable, like I was feeling <laughs> stressed and it did make me reflect and think, oh, my God, Eden and I have been so good for the past like three to five months with no arguments <laughs> over like he hasn't been annoying me. I'm like, Funny that for that one to... month, one week a month, it's usually very annoying. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, I was extremely frustrated, but mm. I've had, thankfully, my period cycle had stayed relatively on track. It was maybe mm-hmm. like three days late from mm-hmm. when I pen marked it should arrive. So, yep. um, and I didn't have any like painful bleeding or overly heavy or anything like that so it made me feel good that um you know I would jazz knows how weird I am and I get something in my brain and then I'm kind of like no 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 but I want to organize it like this and I want it to be like that so I it just made me feel comfort that it wasn't like six to five to six weeks before my period actually came that I liked that my body has gone back into its natural cycle relatively quickly yeah and speaking about time timelines a, a usual period is that about 28 days yeah yeah so when we think about um the menstrual cycle um we think about day one being the first day that you start bleeding so the first day of your period um and average is about 28 days but everyone's a little bit different um we talk about the difference between a regular cycle, so is it always 28 days, or an irregular cycle where, oh, this week it's five days late, next time it's two days early. Um, so keeping a track on those cycles is a really good idea, and there's some good apps and things on the phone these days, or you can go the old-fashioned calendar. Um, mm-hmm. One little trick that I, that you should do um, for Eden is just put a little mark on the calendar, Ash is going to be cranky this week. <laughs> because sometimes though if you know and if you realize that you might be a bit more irritable you might just need a little bit more space than usual in that week in the lead up to your period you can just give yourself that space and time and um you know he knows oh okay she's a bit cranky that's probably what it is um don't like push the button further don't no why why are you grumpy and I'm like mate I am not grumpy (laughs) And look, I don't like the idea of blaming, you know, grumpiness or poor behaviour on hormones, um, but they definitely do cross across to the brain and they do affect how you feel and your moods. So um, we certainly have to be aware of that. Um, most people, PMS is a really minor problem, you know, a bit annoyed, a bit irritable for a week. Um, but for some people, it can actually become so severe that they get like a period of depression in that lead up to um, their period um, and depression as in very low mood, unmotivated, um, even sometimes feeling so bad that they're feeling suicidal and um, that can... What is that part? So the... I'm still not up to date with this. So forgive me. So first, the cycle, but the first day that you start bleeding, is that menstruation? Yes, so that's day one. So what is the week prior called when... You're feeling cray-cray. So that's a part of the luteal phase. Um, mm-hmm. And when we're thinking about hormones, you've probably got a bit more progesterone on board than you do mm-hmm. of estrogen. Um, so, you know, 
also the hormones start to fall away because your body realizes that you're not pregnant for that cycle. Um, and, you know, with that withdrawal of hormones, you can really feel some mood fluctuations. And what is your opinion on, um, you know, I, I feel like you kind of touched on it then about being aligned with your cycle and making choices to do with your cycle as well, a female? Look, yeah, I think it's a really good idea to, um, you know, for one, get to know your cycle. So, you know, you talk, you talked a lot about oh, not even realising like how long your cycle should be. So knowing all those things um, – getting to know your body and, you know, know, look at the calendar, know when to expect your period and feel those signs in your body. Okay, I'm feeling my breasts are a bit tender or I'm feeling a bit heavy in the in like the pelvic area um, and understanding, okay, that means that my period's coming. And I think, you know, teaching a young teenagers to just know how to expect um, what's going on mm. in their body. Um yeah, I really like the idea of, you know, your different cycles. You might feel a bit more energy at some stages and a bit less at other stages. And, you know, we all know that when you've actually just started your period, you might feel a bit flat or low in energy. Um, I think always the key is just listening to your body and how you're feeling and not necessarily just pushing through um, if you're feeling like your energy levels are a bit low, particularly if you've, if you've just gotten your period. And I think also... It can come with like, you know, women can do anything men can do and, mm. you know, we mm. don't want to use this as like an excuse and, yep. you know, it's kind of been this like almost like stigma that, mm. um, you know, it shouldn't affect you. Like it's just yeah. a part of life and yeah. like push through where mm-hmm. I'm really liking the social awareness of making changes, having men, as you mentioned before, putting it on the calendar and saying yeah. like this is coming, but making them and young men aware of like, you know, period, like periods aren't so gross or like if you mm-hmm. understand it and you be respectful of your partner, I'm sure like it's like going to be a better week for you too. Yes, um, yes, exactly. You, and you also said about, you know, you didn't learn about anything really to do with any of this until you were at medical school and considering it affects 50% of the population, it's really weird that it's not a conversation that we are having in schools and the kids have so much free access to knowledge through the internet and social media Mm -hmm. and they think that they know the answers but they're taking a bit from here and a bit from there and kind of figuring it out along the way which Mm -hmm. could kind of be damaging in some way but maybe also for those that aren't getting any support at home or don't know how to bring up the conversation they're getting some sort of sounding board or some sort of knowledge like what's your take on that well look I think um it's great that information's available you know anyone can google anything these days um the problem is finding sites or um places where you can get information that's based on fact um, so a lot of stuff we see on social media is misinformation um, and often opinion. put forward opinion, opinion. or put yeah. forward by yes. by people who um, might be trying to sell something or sell a product or might be trying to get more followers on social media. Um, so I usually try to direct people to reputable sources um, and there are some really good sources on social media. Um, there's... Uh, 
fantastic gynecologist in America, Dr. Jen Gunter, and she's on TikTok mm-hmm. talking about the clitoris and hymen and all these things yep. for, for the, um, all the young, that young women go. on TikTok. <laughs> um, but it, it's really good to have some people out there who are actually spreading facts um, and, you know, so that we can get that information out there where people are accessing their, their information. So we know young people are looking to social media for news and all of those things. So it makes sense that they're also looking to social media for these sort of facts as well. Um, I think the, the problem in schools is sex ed is varies depending on which school you go to. Um, there's no nationwide curriculum as far as I know that um there's no nap plan no no (laughs) um and look you know depending on the you know the religious denomination of the school school. um yep so that might affect some of the education that they get um and depending depending on the values of the school really um and it seems like a lot more is coming out around consent and sexuality and things which is really good but I don't know that there's ever really enough um, that we can learn about this stuff. Um, so, yeah, really keen for, for young women to get more information wherever they can, but, yeah, just hoping that it's based on fact. Yeah, and a reputable source. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is great that, um, you know, as the generations, even with kids probably getting their periods a little bit younger, like the, mm-hmm. the world seems to be doing everything a lot long, a lot younger than when, when yep. we were doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. But, um, yeah, it is – there are a lot of um, factual resources out there and I will hit you up after the potty jazz to see if you have any websites you can recommend and we'll mm-hmm. pop them in the show notes for any um, women for themselves or mums that are listening that want to have yeah. conversations with their daughters and point them yep. in the right direction. They might have a shy daughter that wants to read it on her own and they know that they're still offering that support. So yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot a available. Step mum herself. Yeah. Um, yeah. of beautiful Ruby, and Ruby is going through all of her first changes of life soon. So yeah. um, it's experiencing it firsthand to know that it can be an awkward conversation. Um, but you've got. To they don't it. want to talk about it really. So um, just providing those little snippets when when they're open to talking about it, I think is is the key and and making it just a part of normal conversation rather than a whole sit down and birds and the bees all at once so they they don't get overwhelmed and block their ears (laughs) yeah yeah and then moving away from from cycles I think that there's been enough information that like if you feel like something is not right yep making an appointment to see your GP and having a chat and seeing you know putting your mind at ease um, mm-hmm. or, you know, investigating further and getting some answers and maybe a bit more support if you are feeling like this has been, like, tough for, like, and even for now us, I'm like, well, how many more years do we have in our periods? I still want to be as aware as possible even if it's five, eight, ten years. Like, I don't know, but it's yep. never too late to learn more about your own body. Absolutely. Um, and, look, a lot of women... Um, do have their own GP and someone that they trust and have had a relationship with. So fantastic. Talk to them as a first port of call. Um, male GPs do know about periods too, um, but sometimes um, it's a bit more comfortable to talk to a, a fellow woman who might understand a bit more. So um, if that's the case, um, have a look for someone in your local area 
Um, if you see someone that has a particular interest in women's health, and usually on the GP's website, they'll they'll say what doctors' interests are. Um, but really, they're such common issues that the majority of GPs will will be able to provide some support and information. Um, and if you're not happy, it's always fun to get a second opinion. Yeah, that's very good advice. That if it doesn't feel right, then mm-hmm. you you have the opportunity yeah. to keep looking. Yep, that's that's no problem at all. Um, now another topic of mine, <laughs> family mm-hmm. planning, um, yes. which is kind of like that that flow. So can you explain family planning to the listeners? So family planning is a, a pretty big topic, I suppose, but I look at it as um, a way for people to make a plan about when to have babies, if and when um, they want to have babies. Um it mostly comes down to women, but of course, men need to be involved in the family planning conversation as well. Um, and my big goal for people is to have pregnancy when they plan to have pregnancy and to be at their healthiest that they possibly can be um, in order to conceive and to have a baby. Um, so what that means is not getting pregnant when you don't want to um, mm-hmm. and then setting yourself up to be able to get pregnant when you do want to. Um, so... One important thing is knowing that, unfortunately, we've all heard about, you know, the clock is ticking, um, our fertility declines as we get older, and that's just nature. There's nothing we can do to get around that. Um, So just remembering that if you do want to have babies, it's probably a good idea to start thinking about it before you reach that age of 35 um, Mm -hmm. because after that time, really, the egg numbers and quality does start to decline um so we want to be thinking about and having that conversation around family planning um in early 20s early 30s and all the way through um just to go okay so where are you at are you planning to have babies anytime soon and I tend to ask most women that come into my room for anything if they come in for a repeat script or anything like that I'm like okay so are you planning babies anytime soon just to get people thinking about it Um, because often we get caught up in other things and think, oh, yeah, one day, and then you turn around and, um, you know, above the age of 35, things start to slow down a little bit. Um, So, I mean, my take on family planning is it's a feminist issue. Like, it's so important for women to be able to do what they want to do. So whether that's education, um, being able to be stable financially, um, finding the right partner. Um, you know, these days we're not waiting until marriage to have sex for most people. So being able to choose which partner is it that you want to have a baby with rather than just getting pregnant the first time you have sex. Um, so that's why I love contraception. That's why I'm so passionate about it and I find it such an important area. Um, and, you know, finding the right choice for a woman is sometimes tricky. So that's that's where we run into challenges. Um, but it's definitely a really important part of healthcare, particularly through late teens to um, all the way to menopause, really. Mm-hmm. And t- touching on um, the, the, the female perspective and making a choice, and we, I said earlier that the, the younger girls seem to be developing a lot a lot sooner, but it's mm-hmm. also it's the flip side that people, and I'm sure there's a healthy balance, but that people are having babies later in life. 
Yes. And yes. then they are um, encountering the fertility issues or mm-hmm. they might not have even met their partner yet and then they have this clock ticking in their mind and ticking mm-hmm. in society um, which I'm sure is a big stressor and your body doesn't naturally react well to stress that it is if it is time to fall pregnant and have a baby and there's all these extra pressures being put on from peers and society and mm-hmm. that when you, if someone came into you and they were a 34 year old single woman, and mm-hmm. they said, I really, really want to have a baby mm-hmm. not right now, but children are super important to me and I want that in my life. Obviously, again, being that everyone's circumstances are different, mm-hmm. would there be some advice that you would give to that client or is it a client? What do you call a patient? Sorry, no, I, a patient. I call them a patient, but yes. Yeah, um, a patient, I'm like, um, to, you know, think about, to walk away and think about that this is at your age, being that you're not in a relationship, this is what you should start thinking about. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's all easy to say, oh, yeah, go try and have a baby before you turn 35. But we know that life doesn't always work like that, um, particularly if you haven't found the right partner. So um, certainly if having babies is important to someone and they're coming up to that age, um, we would be having conversations about fertility preservation. Um, so that means egg harvesting, egg collecting. Um, that does re- require a referral to a gynecologist to talk about that. And there's some significant costs involved, like financially, um, but also hormone treatment, um, procedures. Um, and the I suppose the big thing is there's no guarantee at the end. Um, so a lot of people would be willing to go through all the time and money and energy um, and, you know, potentially pain with procedures. <laughs> yes, the fuck up. Um, to, if they knew they were going to be guaranteed a baby, healthy baby at the end, you know, you can't really put a price on that. Um, however, not knowing what the final outcome is going to be um, makes it really hard for people. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, as I said, the, the financial um, implications are, can be quite significant. Um, and, you know, there's really no option to do that in the public system at all. Um, so it's either privately funded, you know, with your own savings or cash or um, private health, but there's still significant out-of-pocket costs with those. Um, and it all depends on which specialist you see. Um, you know, you can't really get an exact cost um, because it depends on your specific situation. Um, for a healthy person with no no other underlying health problems, really the younger you can collect eggs, the better. So um, under 35 is definitely what's recommended, but if you can collect them closer to 30, um and so if you're coming up to that age and thinking about that, um, certainly we do get healthier eggs if they're collected at a younger age. Um, the other option, I suppose, if you do have a partner or if you do want to do things like a sperm donor is that they can um, do fertilisation. And they can freeze embryos, which does tend to apparently have a bit of a better success rate. 
Um, I'm not the full expert in that area, but um, they say it has a better success rate freezing embryos than freezing eggs by themselves. Um, So that's something to consider as well. Um, But certainly, you know, I say it's a very stressful time for women who are single. Um, Fertility stuff is very stressful for couples. Um, You know, you see even relationships fall apart because of it. Um, So... But it's such an important part of a lot of people's lives and a lot of people's goals. So that's why I think, you know, family planning and thinking about it from those late teens, early 20s to go, okay, what are my goals in life? And do I want children? If so, when, how many? Um, We can't always achieve those goals. But, you know, if we know that early on, we can try to facilitate that happening in in the healthiest way possible. And... Based on your love for facts and science and knowledge and all the jazz, pardon the pun, um, is there more fertility problems in the world now or are we just more heightened and aware of it because of social media? Um, So, look, the average age of having babies in Australia has gone up. Um, Mm -hmm. So with advancing age comes decreasing fertility. Um, so it's hard to differentiate whether there's more fertility issues because we're delaying pregnancies more um, or if, it, if it's a, a genuine change um, in fertility. Um, certainly women have had much more financial independence, much more education since we've been able to delay having children. Um, mm-hmm. So it's sort of weighing up those two things. Um, yeah. I don't know the exact statistics of that one, yeah. um, but no, I would suspect there's a, there's a lot based on age. Yeah. And as I said, Jazz and I have been friends for a very, very long time and we know the personal backgrounds of each other and all of our friends. And I can say that it's kind of like this weird, like, one side of our friends gets pregnant looking at penises and then the other side are very much going through fertility issues and making those choices for themselves now with um, IVF or freezing their eggs and it's Mm -hmm. um it just shows that it is just such you can't pick it like we're all different we all have different Things going in our lives, we're all in different stages of our lives. Some are with partners, some are with not. Some have smoked, some didn't. Like it's just such mm-hmm. a wide range of friendship group. But mm-hmm. yeah, just different outcomes with everyone. And um, obviously, I've shared my experiences that I do not mm-hmm. have any fertility issues, right. uh, <laughs> which um, at the time of when I needed to fall pregnant, I felt very blessed that it was not something that I had to try for. But on the flip side of that, which will mm-hmm. lead us into our next topic of contraception yeah. um, and making healthy choices for yourself and your family or um, your relationship there, I guess, is a lot more options again. And if we went yeah. around the circle of our friendship group, we have friends that will spit out different things. And as I said, and like the amount of on my Instagram when I asked the quiz of how many people were using the pull-out method, I did mm-hmm. not feel 
I did not feel as like stupid <laughs> for making a poor decision for myself. I'm like, there's lots of people making this stupid decision <laughs> to do this out here. But it was closely followed by vasectomy. Um, I yeah. must be given more my audience and our age that a lot of people in family environments are listening and their families are kind of complete and that's what they're doing. But, yeah, the mm-hmm. good old pull-out method and I don't know if that comes down to these partners, the female partners are not kind of putting their foot down with their wussy pants partner <laughs> to go and take one for the team. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously being in your GP and being um, specialising in women's health and that is a passion of yours you would see all the different extremes of making poor contraceptive contraception choices. Yeah, yeah. So, um, look, there, there's such a wide range of things we can do for contraception and the pull-out method is not a good method. But As do you know, know what? When Eden, Eden, went, Eden went to the um, vasectomy clinic and yeah. at the clinic they gave him like a chart with like percentage ratings yeah and like it still was like 96 percent I know the others were higher and like the 99 but for someone that's not very clued on they would be like I can have sex like 96 times out of 100 (laughs) and still be in the clear and I was like I feel like that's a wrong message and they shouldn't be having that information at a vasectomy clinic (laughs) I was like, when when Eden sent it to me, I'm like, are you leaving? Like, is that why you're, is that why you're showing me this so you don't have to go through with it? Yeah. So, look, if you were trying to fall pregnant, obviously you don't want to be using the pull-out method. Um, but you have to know that with the pull-out method, some ejaculate, which has sperm in it, um, does get inside um, and, of course, can make its way to the egg and that's where a pregnancy happens. Um so, you know, it's certainly not reliable. Some people, um, I know you talked last time on your, on your show about um, the, like being aware of your cycle and being aware of when you ovulate um, and those physical signs that come with um, knowing when you ovulate. Um, and again, you know, in terms of reliability, um, it's not as high as some of the hormonal methods. Um, if you do want to follow that method, you've really got to know your body. You've really and got to I study. Was, like looking at it this time yes. to like watch for like key things and I'm like, I am so, <laughs> so I really need to study my panties to when, like when, work out what I'm what I'm looking at. When you say looking at, you're talking about like your discharge or they call it the cervical Don't say mucus. the D word, jazz. <laughs> Not the D word. <laughs> Um, so no, I'll be professional. I'm sorry. Yes, discharge. <laughs> Look, it, Looking at my it, female discharge. discharge. So it does change when you ovulate, um, and also there are temperature fluctuations. So you can take your temperature first thing in the morning. Um, but that sort of method does require a lot of study and a lot of practice. Um, I certainly don't recommend it as a first line for people unless they're really interested in it um, because, you know, if you're not really up on those changes in your body um, or if you miscalculate, June, like, yeah, yeah I, if you miscalculate by a day, then, then you can end up with an unplanned pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly I do see a lot of that in my clinic. 
um, I'm a provider of termination of pregnancy. Um, so I get a lot of women referred to me for that. Um, and I see a lot of women who say they wanted to have a break from the pill or they've just gone off it for a little while and then in they come with made, an unplanned pregnancy. Made these, made these choices without discussing with anyone, kind of just taking it upon mm. themselves to stop taking their pill and not investigating other avenues in methods of protection or yeah yeah so so um not seeking an alternative contraceptive Mm -hmm. before stopping um and look i'm all for you know women doing what's right for them um the pill's not Mm -hmm. for everyone um but it is a great way to control your cycle a great way Mm -hmm. to reduce pain with periods um Mm -hmm. it is safe to skip periods if you're on um, the contraceptive pill, um, so if you've got sports or an event or a holiday, it's absolutely safe to do that, being on the pill. Um, and is it safe to do it for a long period of time or the odd one here and there? Yeah, it is. So um, what we usually recommend is skipping for about three months at a time um, because you'll find that most women will get a bit of what's called breakthrough bleeding, so spotting or bleeding when they're on the hormonal tablets. Um, Mm -hmm. When we talk about skipping periods, um, what we mean is going continuous on hormones. So usually in a a pill packet, there's four rows. So three weeks that you're on hormones um, and that's combined hormones. So that's estrogen and progesterone. And then there's a week for sugar pills. So that's when you'll get your bleed. So that's a withdrawal bleed. Um, It's a withdrawal from the hormones that we give. Um, And Really, when you look at when the pill was invented, um, the men who invented it um, thought that women might like to have a period once a month. That's why it's there. It's not for any medical reason that it has to be there. So if it's you don't nice want your period, think about that, lovely of them to think about that. <laughs> think about that. So, um, so if you don't want your period, you can skip it if you're on that combined hormonal contraception. Um, and if you've got any questions, it's a good idea to, to talk about that further with your, your doctor. But certainly for heavy, painful periods, we, we recommend that quite a lot. This podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. To stay up to date with me, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a review and follow me on Instagram at with Love Ash.